Hi, and welcome to episode number 23 of Slot Leader, a Cardano finance podcast where we try to bridge the gap between the world of finance and the world of blockchain technology. I'm your host, Umed Saidov, and in today's episode, we will be focusing our attention on decentralized exchanges built on Cardano. My guest in today's in-depth interview is somebody who has a proposal for, for funding in fund number five in Catalyst to build such an exchange. Um, in our in-depth interview, we will be going through the fundamentals of decentralized exchange. We'll be covering the questions of what the decentralized exchange is, how the, participate, uh, the participants make money in these kind of um, venues, and what the risks and the pros and cons are if you do decide to participate in these kind of um, exchanges. And last but not least, we will be talking about red flags. Um, these are basically the types of information that you would like to um, obtain before going into decentralized exchanges that might um, give you a, a clue as to whether these decentralized exchanges are trustworthy. Um, we have seen a lot of rug pulls in the recent history of uh, open blockchain and I wanted to kind of shed some light on on um, this issue in particular to find um, ways to you know raise the red flags uh, for you and and to make sure that you could you could do your due diligence uh, looking for the right information out there I hope you find this interview quite useful uh, I definitely did and um, you let me know in the comment section below what you think about it before we go to our interview today I would like to make a special announcement with regards to the changes in the format of slot leader going forward starting with episode number 23 today's episode we are going to go straight ahead into our in-depth interviews and I think this is where the major part of the value proposition of this um, uh, podcast is and also if there are any major news events that pertain or affect our space the space of uh, Cardano um, I'm sure we could cover it in um, uh, with my guest in the in-depth interview a little bit so um, in the interest of expediency and uh, generating maximum value for our um, viewers and listeners I think this would be the right step to take and uh, going forward we will be just focusing on the in-depth interviews now that said I'm going to continue doing my AMAs with you guys. I really love interacting with my listeners and viewers, so be sure to catch those whenever they come out. Hi, this is a quick reminder that Slot Leader is an educational podcast, and as such, we do not provide investment, financial, tax, or legal advice. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. I have a, a special guest today in our show. His name is Yarek, and he has a proposal for Fund 5 in uh, Catalyst in Cardano to develop a spe specifically a, a decentralized exchange. Um, I would like to welcome Yarek to Slot Leader. How are you today? Hi. Hi, Umat. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for inviting for the show. Big fun. I really like the approach you take uh, talking about the fundamentals. So, you know, like, I'm glad that's the first show I'm able to join. And looking forward to interesting discussion about the DeFi. Yes, I've uh, I've exchanged a lot of messages with you on Twitter. It's it seems like uh, you know what you're talking about at least from the uh, traditional finance point of view. And I've read your proposal on the Dex. Uh, thank you for you know trying to uh, develop something on Cardano. We are always open to getting more talent to develop on Cardano. 
So introduction, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your team? Sure. Um, so I will start from myself and then I segue into the team. So I have a bit uh, unique path uh, to Cardano. Uh, I started basically coding as a six-year-old kid. I joined like this whole cyberpunk movement, uh, staying on the text forums. Uh, you know, like uh, hanging out like in topics about uh, hacking, reverse engineering, etc. So you know, like uh, this, in a sense, gave me understanding like of the network and the security of the systems. And then from that, you know, like I had interesting path, you know, like through Microsoft Research while working on uh, devising uh, machine learning algorithms. Um, then to the world of finance, and I've transitioned from Microsoft to Citadel Securities, where I work on creating a new desk for semi-systematic trading. It was a new paradigm they uh, were developing, and you know, like uh, it was quite a success. And you know, like working for a market market is like amazing experience. Basically, everybody around you has you know like five brains and a bit more, uh, but basically because the knowledge is so concentrated and experience, uh, you end up working crazy hours. And basically at some point, you know, like I basically felt the drain to like not having any time for personal projects, being constrained to like being mainly able to focus on work. Uh, so then, you know, like I transitioned to my current role where I have a bit more freedom in what I can do. I've after two years managed to get approval from legal to double in crypto. Uh, and basically, you know, like I'm in a transition period, you know, like uh, from my job. So, you know, like, uh, been asked, you know, like to not to be too vocal about it. So like I try to not be too easily Googleable in, you know, like that, you know, like oh, I'm you know, like uh, living in three, four months, you know, like to not scare anyone uh, on the team. Like I manage uh, three teams in my current job. Uh, and also interesting how I've learned about Cardano. So the one part I skip is the university. I went to the University of Edinburgh. And uh, so like I had the pleasure uh, taking the courses uh, done by Phil Wadler and he's very, uh, like amazing lecture, you know, like uh, he has all the stunts, you know, like with the lambda on his shirt, he's very variable, like he describes everything like amazingly simply, you know, like uh, learning functional programming was uh, pure pleasure, but then being interested in very can also take other courses about the formal theory from him, which are much smaller, much more on point. And actually being on uh, Haskell of conference, uh, he then introduced this idea, it was two years ago, you know, like all uh, they're building uh, Lambda calculus called Plutus, then, which would be going to write the formal proofs in Agda to prove you know, like actually everything is sound and working. And it's like, you know, like when you are in finance and you're like dealing with all these exchanges, you know, like uh, like they're like fixed 4.0 format to send all these exchanges, etc. Like it's complete mess. And then the legal side, you know, like the naked shorts, etc. Like this is just the tip of the iceberg. So when you think, hey, wait, you cannot only make it trustless, uh, publicly verifiable. Uh, but we can also build it in, like from the first principles. And there is this uh, functional programming gem I'm big fan of, written by Simon Peyton Jones, uh, which basically shows how to derive uh, uh, functional contracts, like functional derivatives from the fundamentals. And basically not only you derive them, so it's like mathematics, like you take derivatives, you literally do the same in the program, uh, you also now can write a formal proof that this derivative has specific properties. Maybe, for example, you know, like that's only as many shorts as the coverage you have. You know, like you have to cover every short, you know, like one to one. Um, and uh, you know, basically, 
also it's type checked, right? Like it's the beauty of Haskell has very rich uh, type checking language. So, you know, like it gives you a lot of power out of the gate. Uh, and, you know, like I felt in love with the idea. I couldn't get it that I was too overworked. Uh, and basically I still didn't know if I can actually even do that. Uh, the uh, resolution came, you know, like uh, at the end of the last year. So that, that I can, but you know, uh, yeah. So, so here I am excited uh, to be here. Uh, I think it's hard to be late, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is, it's life. No, I think you're still early. I mean, we don't have the smart contracts yet, uh, you know, in, on the mainnet. And this is the right time for these kind of projects to actually start getting traction in, in the community. Um, and thank you for sharing your background and your, um, you know, your, the, the, the path that you took from whatever you're doing in the financial, traditional finance side and, uh, you know, getting exposed to Haskell and Plutus and, you know, discovering Cardano and coming on board. Um, so um, tell me when you're developing this project and it's just, you know, uh, just a curiosity, are you going to be still working in the, uh, in the traditional finance? Uh, you know, you just basically got a, an approval to, to work on side projects or is it going to be a full-time job? Eventually. So uh, I'm in the transition process to basically cut out with my full-time job, but unfortunately in finance it's a long process. They they, they wait a lot of uh, like in, in the agreement to keep you for the long time, but you know like before the lunch all should be sorted and that's also when I'm going to tell everybody by name because there's nothing technically stopping me, like no surprise for the team, etc. Okay, well, I, you know, this kind of, you know, answers the next segment that I wanted to focus on, which is anonymity. So, mm -hmm. so you decided to become anonymous, or to come or develop this, you know, a project anonymously, uh, for the time being, because there are restrictions on your current from your current employer not to talk about, you know, crypto, and, you know, uh, you know, publicly, at least be associated with crypto and be a part of a, uh, a current financial institution that does, you know, mm -hmm. uh, traditional finance. And I understand that there's some sort of hesitation in that world not to be associated with crypto, especially given the fact that there's so much fraud going on and outright rug pulls going on in, uh, you know, in other pro platforms, especially in the DeFi. So, you know, I understand their, you know, reputational sort of risk mitigation strategies that would um, curtail your ability to talk about this. But obviously you are here, your face is here. And uh, those who know how to reverse image, Google search, you will find out who you are. Um, thanks again, uh, thanks again for coming. And I would like to uh, take this time to actually delve into what you guys are doing because it's very, very fascinating. This whole concept about DeFi, I find it quite fascinating. And I would like to devote um, a, a huge segment of time going forward to, to basically uh, deconstructing the, uh, the components of DeFi and how it works in the real world and, and what you guys are bringing into the decentralized finance and, and how you will uh, uh, make sure that the code that runs executes as expected and, uh, you know, minimizes the risks. But um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, your proposal and what it does? I mean, I read the proposal, but it would be great to, you know, uh, get a, uh, a five minute, uh, you know, sort of description from you, a, a short description. Uh, sure. So uh, the first proposal we've got uh, is for a DEX called Maladex. 
Uh, we basically completely screwed marketing, uh, you know, like basically use all the forbidden words in the world of crypto, I guess. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, maybe let me start from the whole theme, uh, why it was associated with uh, demons, etc. Uh, maybe like it added to the veil of anonymity, like a bit, uh, you know, uh, suspicion. But basically, uh, the whole idea is rebel investing. So bringing the new ideas to the uh, DeFi space, not basically copying existing solutions from other blockchains, just writing them in EUTXO format in Haskell. But basically sitting down, uh, writing proper uh, research paper, you know, like investigating uh, the automated uh, market makers, uh, investigating, you know, like the correlation and other uh, properties of the pools you are going to create. And then basically the same for, you know, like minting indexes, derivatives, and, you know, like uh, another important topic uh, that, you know, like once the basic index is done, is basically introducing the things that are constructed of the disposable space. So for example, like once you have options, you can construct option structures which give you very tight control of the risk. And you know, like usually, uh, what people know options is from Robin Hood, basically losing a lot of money very quickly. That's like what the like option basically does to you. But if you, for example, you know, like create any form of a spread, and like it's very easy to visualize. Like you can basically say, okay, like my bet is that. This, you know, like Cardan is going to go either way by 10%, right? You can buy just, you know, like a simple, you know, like a bulls, straddle, uh, etc. And at the same time, you know, like if it flies crazy, whatever, like it's another fad, you are covered because the other, uh, you know, like strike covers your lower side. And then the cost of buying option is low. And, you know, like uh, this can, can be exactly very tight control plus potentially expose you to, to large gains, you know, as that's the idea of. Uh, bringing new ideas uh, for, for for everybody to be able to profit, and that's the important concept uh, that we have. We actually will use some of the governance tokens to pay people to write articles. So basically, by the views, you know, like you uh, receive some distribution, uh, and we're going to write some articles ourselves, from which we want want any distribution. Basically, explaining those concepts, and the idea is you know, actually to start people familiarizing with those concepts because. Uh, the only way you always be completely safe uh, or more safe is you if you understand exactly what you're doing. Uh, and you know, like we can say, okay, you know, like uh, Plutus Haskell is more secure. Yes, to some extent, but only more secure if the developers writing the contracts have good intentions. Uh, and you know, like there's like this famous uh, computing problem called you know like cutting problem. Uh, you basically cannot predict exactly what program is going to do. You can prove it has certain properties, but I don't think people will expect everybody to start writing Agda proofs and sharing them and people will be verifying them. It's, it's always you know, like this, uh, like the smart contract sometimes says there, nobody checks it. Uh, there, there were recently some famous rack pools, you know, like where there was like some well protection, which was completely disabled before deploying the contract, you know, like, so not enough people check those things into the code. So, Basically, for the whole Cardano community and for any other crypto, like the, always the best protection is actually to educate yourself, do your own research, and then be you know, like skeptical. You know, like somebody says something, okay, let's check the code or have somebody check the code. You know, like, and then you build the trust. And there are people actually in the community, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, talking about, for example, like proof of merit. That's going to be interesting metric if you ever rise. Yeah. Look, um, I, I wanted to just kind of step back a little bit and, and, sure. and, and go through the concepts that you are covering in your proposal. 
step by step, you know, have it in a bite-sized format, if you if you will. So you are proposing a decentralized exchange uh, with uh, Maladex. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so how does it um, work? You know, so I, I think the the some of some of the products that you're describing there are a liquidity provider, uh, you know, uh, you know products. Um, then you have the liquidity mining, uh, uh, blockchain bridges. You have indexes. You have synth- synthetic instruments and derivatives. Now let's go through these. Uh, you know, let's just imagine that the product has been built, Maladex, right? So what can a Cardano user do with Cardano token in that platform? Let's just go through every single thing that you describe on your proposal. Let's just do with LPs, uh, liquidity provider uh, products, liquidity products, right? So what, what, what is a liquidity product? Why it exists? What can the user do? Um, pros and cons. Sure. So uh, basically, liquidity providing is the process of giving your tokens. So you give typically all the tokens that are, you know, like part uh, of the liquidity pool. So for instance, like the simplest one is like the liquidity pair. So we can, for example, give uh, Cardano at AGX. And, you know, like uh, once the pool already exists, there is like expected ratio of the values. And if it doesn't exist, you mean the first time you have to provide it yourself. So like usually you would want to get the right price. So with maybe like check what it's ready for the exchange for, et cetera. Because otherwise you, you would be immediately losing some money in the arbitrage. Uh, so, you know, like you provide the right ratio of the tokens and that's the simplest pair. There are more complex ones, which is for example, uh, the pool of liquidity. And I'll give you an example, you know, like you have uh, stable coins, right? Like uh, all pegged, for example, to USD dollar. Uh, there is no major reason why they couldn't be provided as a pool and be paired with uh, other groups of pools. For example, like then you have liquidity between uh, USD and AGX, right? But it's automatically balanced in the right ratio. So, you know, like uh, you, you can provide only USD. And I think it's going to be something important for the classical financial instruments because they even cannot have too large exposure on their balance to crypto. Uh, that's also, by the way, reason like Arco has been saying Bitcoin, not because they didn't like Bitcoin, they just basically couldn't hold anymore, like it wasn't good for them. Um, and, uh, you know, like uh, that's that's what you do as the maker. Now, as a taker, mm-hmm. uh, now as a taker, you basically can come to the exchange and now you have Cardano, you want to buy AGX, then you can purchase it. But uh, the challenge with automated uh, market makers is that basically the price fluctuates and doesn't have to fluctuate with the actual price because the only pressure comes from people buying and selling and you know like the amount of buy orders for instance for AGX doesn't have to reflect the actual price that people are willing to pay for that so then it diverges from the actual price and and typically you know like the price is derived from the order book so people put limit orders for sell and buy and basically that's middle between like it's the price that you see like in the terminal uh, so then, you know, like somebody writes an arbitrage bot that basically looks, hey, like I can actually buy it here uh, cheaper and sell it for more. And they like automatically execute it very quickly. Uh, and they make uh, someone, of course, it's very risky because there is like a lot of arbitrage bots and only one winner. So sometimes you are left with holding a bug. Uh, and by the way, also like for arbitrage, it's great. Like if you can buy options because you can buy option on one exchange and option on the other. And then basically, if you are left holding back, then you only pay for the cost of the options because like there's a zero risk option, like uh, the natural exposure. 
Okay, so so let let me let me just basically simplify to the to the to the maximum level possible to just basically give a you know I understand everything you're saying, but just wanted to 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 walk the the audience through the process of participating in a protocol through the Dex, um, you know, as a liquidity provider, right? So mm -hmm. so I am a holder of uh, fifty thousand uh, ADA, and let's just pick another number for AGX. Uh, um, yeah, right. I don't know, 30,000 or- Just say know. quarter million, it's like double the rate ratio. Okay, okay, the quarter million. So um, in order for me to become a, pro a liquidity provider, right? Uh, I, I need to provide these tokens in exact that ratio, right? Is that correct? Is that the, you know, the requirement for, for me to participate in the index? Oh, is, is like yes, if, okay. if you if you join as a second person, then you have to provide it in the existing ratio. But mm -hmm. if you mint it, you can provide it in any ratio you want, but you want to provide in the exactly right ratio because otherwise it will be arbitrage right away and you lose the wrong balance you put in, basically. Okay, yeah. so the moment I go in, in this liquidity pool, and, and I'm, I'm trying to basically understand the mechanics mm -hmm. as we go through it mentally, um, the moment I put in, uh, the price changes, the balance changes. Do I have to start, you know, putting in more and taking off ADA and things like that? Or do I have to be actively monitoring the the balance in order to keep uh, my position as a liquidity provider or the contract does it uh, in its own way? Sure. So by the way, it's also like the case, not just for Modex, but for every uh, AM. Uh, it's like you just deposit the tokens and basically they are in the contract and are basically used to you know like exchange one token for the other so you basically have don't have to do anything okay uh, uh so like it's uh completely out of your mind except uh there is risk just leaving it lying there uh so there is like this concept of impertinent loss and this happens when for example like you were unlucky and you picked a bad coin or like i don't know like maybe there was some coin uh somebody was giving what utility and like there was like a lot of hype. So like you bought that coin and like suddenly everybody lose confidence in that coin. And mm -hmm. what happens like is everybody wants, for example, like ADA back immediately from that pool. Uh, and then there's nothing you can do. Like this pool is going to drain one way or the other. Uh, and like that, that's the first one. Like you should think about the pairs you are providing or like the pools you are basically providing your tokens in to avoid basically just being left with the worthless token because if everybody gets at the back, you are just left with the tokens that has real value like that. that, that, that okay, so the risk, uh, as far as I can understand your description is that, you know, the two pairs that I pick are important because, you know, let's say that, you know, token X versus ADA, if X becomes, you know, useless, everybody would basically use this contract in order to exchange their X token for ADA uh, because the exchange, the exchange rate doesn't is is it fixed in in that contract? Does it does it fluctuate as the demand grows? Uh, it fluctuates. So basically, whenever somebody buys specific token, so like I want to spend Cardano to buy AGX, I deposit Cardano, so I increase the ratio of the Cardano in the protocol, and then I withdraw some AGX. So now, in the, like the simplest X times Y equals cons formula, because like the number of like liquidity provided has to remain constant. Now I've increased the ratio of Cardano and decreased the ratio of AGX. So at this point, the, uh, basically when you want to provide, you know, like uh, 
next you would provide now more Cardano and more AGX because that's basically affects the price. And also that's another important concept, like it's good for the uh, liquidity pay or pool to be large because otherwise, you know, like if the pool is small, like it's very easy to move, to the, move price the price very significantly. Uh, and that's another risk because like if the pool moves too much from the actual price, you know, like then the arbitrage bots comes and basically like really likes that pool, right? Um, and by, by the way, this comes like one of the things we are currently researching, which is looking at the formula very closely and there are different pairs of the assets. So I, I'll give you the most basic example. You don't ever want to have the stable compare with anything on the blockchain for a simple reason, like maybe except for special cases, because all the crypto by nature is deflationary and stable coins are inflating. So by the nature of those two instruments, they're always going to diverge. And that divergence creates infertility loss for you. You want two assets to be as closely correlated because you know, like we can assume AGX and Cardano are going to be quite correlated. Maybe AGX, you know, like still has the most investment to come, so maybe it will go quicker, but like technically on average, they will be correlated. So it's much smaller important loss. Uh, and you know, like basically looking at a specific class of assets and being able to classify them and then adjust the curves to hold all the properties that are required. For example, path independence. Uh, you know, like we want to create a custom um, pools just using the quantitative data in order to be tailored to specific person pools to basically you know, like minimize the risk for you and you know, like improve the uh, exchange experience for everyone because you know, like uh, the price is right, you know, like the, there is less slippage and there is less drain to arbitrage. Okay. Okay. Um, now, um, again, you know, if, if we kind of close this loop, in, in mm -hmm. this conversation, um, as, as a liquidity provider, what is my incentive, you know, in, you know, in Maladex, for instance, um, to provide liquidity? What am I getting in return for locking my tokens? And how does that work? Great question. So uh, probably not everyone knows that, but every DEX uh, takes a small fee out of every transaction. So let's say you exchange Cardano TGX. Not 100% is getting given back to you. Basically, 0.3% on average uh, is taken by the protocol and distributed to two parties. One part is the liquidity providers. And then depending on the DEX, the typical value is 0.1 or 0.2% goes to the liquidity providers. And 0.1% goes to the exchange. That's how they pay salaries and you know, like for the service, etc. Okay. So 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 there's as, as a pie, 100% pie, you know, X percent goes to liquidity providers, and Y percent goes to the the guys who wrote the smart contract. Is that the right way of interpreting the whole thing? Kind of. We have to expand on it a bit, but uh, let's finish first. Like 0.2%. Uh, let's say goes to back to liquidity pool and you own a share of the liquidity pool. So now we have okay. a bit more tokens. So if it's uh, you know like well correlated pair and there's a lot of transaction going on, then you provide a lot of utility. So actually you get a good way. So like you want the to stake in the pool that is very liquid, like there's a lot of transactions going on and the price of two tokens doesn't diverge too much. Um, and now 0.1% can go either directly to the exchange wallet address but it doesn't have to be that simple. You can use that 0.1% for many different things. For example, PancakeSwap uses some of that money, 
to actually go to the exchange and buy cake tokens back and burn them. Like they send it to the void, like zero uh, wallet address from which you cannot like recover it. Okay. Uh, and like you can do other things like that actually like uh, increase the value of the platform token. Uh, so that 0.1% uh, is like in a sense in a custody of the DEX team. Uh, or in the DAO, like you could put it in the DAO, which actually is a nice idea. We're thinking about that as well. Yeah. Um, and basically, you know, like it, some of that, of course, like have to go to, to, to people. Some has to pay for the expenses. But like depending how much we are left with, like you can do something great for the community. Like for example, like buy a lot of friends tokens back and reward everybody like equally, you know, like for holding them. And that's the other part that you're actually getting by providing liquidity. There's this concept of yield farming. A lot of platforms are going to give you the governance tokens for uh, basically providing liquidity. The trick is you have to be very smart about doing that because in a sense, you mint the governance tokens out of the thin air, right? Yeah. So if you mint the token and give to people for providing liquidity, in a sense, you decrease the value of all the existing tokens. Uh, so you have to either you know, like provide enough uh, utility to the tokens that the utility that's in the system balances the minting of the tokens, or you have some mechanism that basically also takes tokens out of the circulation. And for example, like you can uh, require a specific amount of different tokens locked to have access to specific, you know, like pro trading data, you know, like maybe uh, all stat statistics about the pool, et cetera, or maybe, you know, like you want uh, to uh, use the governance tokens for voting, right? Or maybe hey, you know, like, my question to you sure. is is here's the thing. I, I'm sorry if I cut you off. Oh no, it's fine. It's 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 quite important because I don't understand why there is a utility token for a dex. Why can't they just use ADA? Like, why do you need to create another token to confuse the hell out of people? <laughs> like, you know, like why can't you just use ADA? There's there's a, a governance mechanism built in into the uh you know uh the protocol and 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 you know correct me if i'm wrong you should should be able to do all sorts of things with that should you want to to use uh ada as, as a token of governance and and then you don't have to manage anything if you know that the supply is fixed and you need to maximize it and uh maybe you could tag the ada that you have somehow that you know it's kind of attached to maladex uh, and it has superpowers let's say right this this actually this concept of um uh, colored coins. I think they used it in in in, in tracking the New Balance shoes at some at some point on, on on Cardano. So you probably could do something like that, where you could tag these ADA and say, okay, well this ADA has these properties to it. You know, you could you could vote on Maladex with it, um, or, um, or 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 completely, you know, basically do away with this token uh, nonsense and just say. Okay, you liquidity providers or whoever participates in this DEX will get uh, their, you know, compensation in the tokens and and ADA, cryptocurrency of the platform, and that's it. You know, you don't have to create another layer to do things like that. So, um, so why is why is that we see tokens being created? Is there any other reason, uh, you know, for it to exist except for enriching the the guys who actually created the the, the smart contract so uh, i'll be upfront you like of course like the part of the whole idea of tokens is enriching the guys who make it like obviously that's why everybody and your grandma has a token um but there is a lot of more reason behind that uh so 
uh, you know, like I agree with what you said, like we could attach the color, but uh, if, you know, like if you want to do certain things, right? Like Cardano already has a ton of very heavy whales um, and you could try to introduce the, you know, like uh, anti-well mechanism Cardano, et cetera. Uh, but it may be quite complicated. So as long as you are a DEX that, you know, like prioritize the good of the whole community, you can now start talking about things as uh, quadratic funding, etc. But even more importantly, like uh, I think that's a case link to us. Uh, we actually want to implement the layer two on uh, Hydra head. And that has to do with uh, interoperability between different protocols. And you know, like uh, then we need some pair tokens that we can basically attach to all the different protocols. And of course, this also could be ADA, but this just makes it so much more complicated because when you think about ADA, there are so many market forces uh, you know, like in ADA that when we design a system you know, like we want to have, if we to have standard properties, we don't know what place is going to have you know, like all other uh, DEXs or other protocols are impacting you know, like what's going on with data. Uh, and this is much more complex problem to solve. Um, but not only that, you know, like uh, the good thing about uh, the token that you're going to create is, uh, you know, like you can, like you, you very clearly can define uh, where the value comes from. And by the way, for me, like just the governance like is a bullshit argument. If the token just gives you the governance, get out of the way like it's not enough right or if you need 0.25 yay to trade on the like it's, it's nonsense right uh it's, it's literally a ponzi scheme because you have to accumulate the tokens to be able to use the system so basically you know like it's a great theory like the value of the token is derived from more people getting the token right uh so you know like the, the ideal utility comes from functionality right and you know like uh actual functionality like in the case we are thinking of uh, is basically to tying the token burn to specific resources you're going. For example, like we want to create backtesting platform where you can get all the high frequency data and validate, you know, like uh, specific assumptions about the data, a lot of, you know, like tick-based data from our exchange and hopefully from the others as well. Uh, and you could pay just the fair computation price in the token. Uh, same, you know, like uh, basically when you create uh, all those tokens uh, that, you know, like, are derivatives, indexes, etc. Uh, we want you to pay for them in our platform token called Sol. Uh, and then, you know, like uh, it's also much easier, you know, like uh, to uh, implement, uh, you know, like the vesting. So, for example, if we are going to distribute a part of the token to the team, then we can, once the smart contract launch, we can codify that basically that's the vesting schedule. And we are not shitting you because now, sorry, sorry if you that is what it's like, but it's uh, now you basically can go into the contract and there's like way a lot, like there's a lot of people being able to read the contract and that will tell you, okay, yeah, those 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 guys have written the contract, right? So they can only, you know, like vest on the dates that they show to you and that's true, like you define by the slot and there's like a slot average every second. Um, and uh, that's another example. Another example is you know, like uh, when, like we cannot drop Cardano at least on the day one, right? So it's like the promise of the future profit. So like if you say like you want to distribute tokens to the community and we do it at the moment via our helpful. So like everybody delegating to helpful. We only have one person, but it's not ICO, uh, not, not all of that stuff. We can talk about ICOs as well, I think 
it's another idea that flips the Cardano protocol in its head. Uh, we are basically distributing uh, this query function of, you know, like the, the, the uh, how, like the soul tokens per epoch uh, to basically people uh, delegating uh, the other to us. Uh, and basically, you know, that's the idea that, you know, like we can start with the allocation that's more spread across different wallet addresses and that's actual people in the community. And it's not linear in the sense that, you know, like if you're a while, then you get like a big chunk of that. Uh, and then, you know, like, uh, it's are also... you doing it by the way, right now, or you, you thinking about doing that? So distributing we... your tokens. <laughs> yes. We, we just started doing that. So, okay. uh, we started uh, sending the airdrops. Basically we have a small delegation to the pool. So we were waiting to accumulate, uh, the, uh, all the past epochs, uh, to, because you know, like when you send tokens, you have to add ADA to it and, you know, like. Uh, you know, like us coming even like from financial sector, like we have fully bit resources, so we want to minimize the cost of sending the tokens. Oh, but we just about said that we had also like a community event called Maladex Maze that was like 13 day game where people voted on different options and you know, like uh, the 13 lucky people. Actually, this one was going to uh, disclose on Wednesday who the 13 lucky guys who or lasses who are getting uh, souls uh, and basically you know, like. Uh, that's 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 the way it is, and you know, like, uh, but by the way, it, it already like there is so much to it, like, uh, because I agree with you that in a sense it's like asking, like, hey, give me a money, and I'm going to do something that has so much value that you are going to profit in the future. It's like in a sense investing in a stock, right? Uh, but it can be also very easily abused, and you know, like, if you are not doing much development work, and then you are like uh, sending k drops for you know like action on social media, and then you are going to list your tokens without actually building anything, and then the price drops obviously like, and then there is like maybe like ten thousand like uh, liquidity left, then yeah, basically probably the reason was the coin sell, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you right away to build a deck that at least is my estimate, uh, you need between ten to two hundred k USD. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so, um, look, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm changing the subject a little bit. I wanted to, to, to basically go um, through the products that you're offering so right. that the, the viewers understand what the decks will do. So, so we, we kind of touched upon liquidity providers, right? You, you put on your tokens, you put on your ADA, and you will earn interest on, um, on your tokens and ADA, uh, which will accumulate to you based on the fees that the DEX charges. Uh, and the reason why DEX will function is because people would want to borrow uh, either uh, AGA, AGA, AGX, AGIX or ADA. Is that right? In, in uh, that yes, but not borrow, just, just exchange. Exchange. Okay. So it's just basically, yes. So they, they want to come in with, uh, you know, ADA, get, get AGIX and it's not borrowing. Yeah. So the second thing is liquidity mining. Uh, um, could you expand on, on, on the concept? What is liquidity mining? What does it involve? What does an ADA holder need to do in order to have access to liquidity mining as an instrument? Um, what's, am I, what is the, uh, the person getting uh, from the decks like Maladex from liquidity mining and who is using uh, the, the end product on the sure. other side? So uh, basically the uh, liquidity mining or yield farming, uh, 
came from the idea that some uh, less liquid parts are much harder to create on the decks. Uh, so what you would do is incentivize people to create those pairs by uh, providing them with your platform token. And you know, like uh, I think Pancake Swap probably is the most popular one for that. Uh, you know, like but a lot of other platforms do it as well. Uh, and then you have an allocation of uh, the token that you create or like unleash every day, like if it's pre-mined. Uh, and then it's distributed across the uh, liquidity pools you want to incentivize. And you would want to incentivize certain pools. So for example, you know, like there may be like interesting projects that you want people to be able to exchange, like you know there's going to be value in that. Okay. And you would say basically, you know, like uh, we struggle to get, you know, like this uh, Cardano and some other new project pair on the exchange. Let's incentivize people to create this pool to provide liquidity to this pair. And for example, let's say like every day, you know, like you get, you know, like a specific allocation of the soul tokens for that. And basically that's what happens. The only challenge with that, in my opinion, is um, by, by nature, like if they, like if your price of token is not appreciating on its own, this naturally decreases the price of the token. So like you have to make sure there is enough mechanism in your platform that burn the tokens that, you know, like, for example, like if you every day means, you know, like uh, 500k tokens, like it's not that okay, it's like that's, that's what the pancake does, but we have still quite different economics, but uh, then, then you have to ensure that you at least on average burn half a million tokens a day as well. Uh, okay, that's, so that's, that's the fair thing. You so don't have to do that, but that would be the fair to the holders. Okay, so this this emission um, is it dynamic or is it fixed? Um, let's say that you know you are developing these markets, right? You know, mm -hmm. X token versus Cardano, and and X is a, is a big you know it's a it's a starting token, and you know there's not a whole lot of people know about it. Let's say that the brilliant team behind that token X would want to do stuff, but they need the you know the market to be able to raise capital and whatnot through this you know um, exchange of yours. Now. Does does the system allow to um, fluctuate the amount of let's say soul tokens um, that will be issued for each liquidity pool, um, or is it fixed? Because if it if it's if it fluctuates, let's say that you know you start with half a million injection into in you know for liquidity providers, and as the token appreciates, you could reduce that, and then the market is very mature at some point. Then you just basically say, all right, right, we'll we'll use that sole token for something else. Some other pools that are up and coming, we can use that. So how does that work? Is 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 the mechanism dynamic, or you're just fixed, and then you, uh, you know. I mean, I, I don't mind, to be honest with you, like the, the, the returns for people who start successful uh, pools that way will be exponential in a sense, because then you will, you will get a lot of returns from the successful token that you have from Sol, if it's fixed, and uh, from ETA that, that will, you, will, you will put into that liquidity. How does that, how does that work? So it's a very good question, but also a very hard one. So let me tell you like what we want to do. Uh, basically, uh, we want to specify a decaying function. Uh, so like we start with a specific fixed amount, but this amount decays over time. And basically the idea is that as the platform matures, you need to less incentivize the new tokens. And also 
in the same why, why can't, I'm sorry, sorry. Why can't you make it a basic uh, function of price, you know, using, using oracles and whatnot? Uh, if there are, I, I guess I understand the challenge if there are no markets and you are the market, then it's, it's, it's a question, it's, 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 you know, uh, but why can't you use your own price, let's say? Oh, obviously, like that you have to use. Uh, um, that's, that's why it's challenging, right? Uh, so I, I said, like, we want to start with the decaying function, but then wanted to go to the complexity. And the complexity is, you know, like there are certain market conditions where it basically doesn't make sense, for example, like to create the incentivization, or there are maybe market conditions in which we really want to incentivize. Uh, plus, you always have to take into the account uh, that this incentivization came, like it's a stock dilution equivalent, right? Like it came out of the pocket of the existing shareholders. Uh, so if you do that, this technically should lead to like long-term increased value, right? So, you know, like, uh, so what, what I want to say is ideally, you would define a model that works and locks make is very predictable. And the advantage of that is that people can then understand what impact on the price is going to be. And this impact is going to be smooth. Uh, the disadvantage is market is very hectic space and then the black swans like to fly into your face. And black swan is something basically very unexpected event. And you know, like you want to have some control over that, but I believe, you know, like this can be solved other way. So, you know, like, as I mentioned, like the exchange, for example, like takes 0.1% of the profits. And this goes to the treasury. Like we want to maintain the treasury that can be used in the strategic ways, you know, like to basically, you know, like, hey, like those tokens may not be being minted, for instance, they may be coming directly from the treasury. So you don't increase the circulation in a sense, like you as a platform pay for the liquidity directly. Or you, for example, you know, like, like the, I don't know, for whatever reason, the token price drops and you want, you know, like people to go back to your platform. You go on the exchange, uh, buy the tokens back, the price rises, and then people have incentivized to go back, right? You can do a lot of strategic things. And uh, basically, in my opinion, like the when you mint new tokens, this should be absolutely predictable because otherwise it's not fair. But if you need to control the unexpected in the market, then you should be very responsible with your platform gains and basically maintain a healthy treasury to be able like, to create those incentives, et cetera. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, briefly about bridges, indexes, mm -hmm. and uh, you call it differently, but I call it synthetic instruments. Um, I think you call it uh, something else in, in your, in your paper. I call I it think... synthetic mirrored instruments. Yeah. So, um, so bridges quickly, uh, what are they, why uh, they need to exist um, and how do you want to implement them? Right, so the classical way, actually, let me maybe say before what a bridge is. A bridge is for you to be able to interact with other blockchain. And the classical way is done, you wrap the tokens from the other platform. So basically on the other platform, you either have to burn the token or you have to lock in in the contract. And then basically you release the wrapped version on Cardano. And for example, in this way, uh, uh, Cardano investors have access to much wider, uh, like span of instruments and you know like if for example like we want to create an index right it would be a bit of a shame if we cannot include uh, bitcoin ethereum solana and all other uh, projects on that and i know like we love we all love uh, cardano obviously uh but you know like uh if we want to make a healthy index this should have you know like a right profile you, 
and you know, like they're weighted by market cap, you can weight it by different ways. You can have, you know, like uh, an index of all, you know, like uh, Cardano DEXs or DeFi index, uh, but you can have even like the DeFi index for different blockchains. Uh, and uh, this is a very interesting concept. And basically in a sense, this creates an access people using the platform for to much wider uh, range of instruments and we think it's great but the way we want to do it ideally is dynamic so you know like we don't require you know like there to be wrapped tokens in advance yeah and that was my question because why do you need uh, you could create an index with basically uh um oracles right Synthetics. you just need the price yes. that's it and and then you can uh, you can create something that represents bitcoin let's say whatever you know like and uh, uh it's, it's it's basically being wishful because Classically, there are two ways to create the synthetics, and one is like you back it with a physical asset, and the other one is cre you create collateral. Uh, with the physical asset, you, you know, like you guarantee that's what it is because the actual stuff is behind it, uh, unless you know, like you are lying, but hopefully, we can catch it in, in the contracts. Uh, and uh, with uh, the collateral, the problem is when the market is smooth uh, and everything goes well. That, you know, like you can balance the collateral, you are not liquidated, etc. But now imagine one of those nasty birds, uh, like swans, uh, flies away, and then your contracts are liquidated. So, like, it's terrible experience for the uh, contract makers who created those instruments. They lose a lot of collateral because as the market diverges, you have to uh, basically incentivize people either to liquidate the contracts or to buy at premium the actual stuff that you, like the, the, the contracts you send out like to reduce the risk. So that has negative uh, effects on the contract makers. And of course the pros and cons, uh, the big pro is like, it's extremely easy to make, right? Like they just take ADA or some stable con, whatever uh, in the rate uh, ratio and to the ratio is usually like 150%. Uh, so like you're in a sense over collateralizing, but that's to cover those price fluctuation because usually like when the quarter would go to 100% and you want to liquidate right away. Um, so it's also cheaper, right? So like when you want to mint the token, it has cheaper price to mint it. And if that would be an actual bridge, for example, like via Hydra head, you could quite literally say, okay, I want to, you know, like provide those Bitcoins and I want, you know, like now to uh, wrap them, you know, like uh, as, you know, like some form of derivative, etc. Uh, maybe, you know, like uh, an, an, an option. Uh, then you can do it quite directly. Like it's like uh, you basically uh, in a contract, you can specify. It happens, of course, it's, it's more complex because like it has to be integrated with the other protocol, right? That's, that's, that's why the Hydra has a so interesting concept, but I think we are so early into the idea of the uh, Hydra heads uh, and you know, like that overall that that's going to take a long time to mature and actually understand what's going on. The big advantage of Cardano layer two is that's exactly it's homomorphic. So it works exactly the same way on layer two as the layer two. Uh, like they basically the same thing, except one is layer two, right? Uh, yeah. So you use, you know, like Haskell, you use Plutus, uh, you know, like it integrates very nicely. Uh, but we have to see, and by the way, in the time being, like there are uh, teams building uh, wrapping protocols, you know, like we can create the first version of the bridge with those uh, wrap tokens. That's like not technically a bridge, right? But uh, that provides that um, utility. Oh, so, so let, let me go deeper on, on the issue of the bridges, right? Um, so let's, let's, let's assume that, you know, you created these bridges, who is the owner 
um, of those bridges in the sense that, you know, who controls those bridges? Let's say this wrapped Bitcoin, it exists somewhere. Is it, does it exist on somebody's server or is it in a smart contract? How sure you are that that wrapped Bitcoin is act, actually exists and is equal to one Bitcoin? That's How the does truth. that work? So, it, uh, so the only way it would actually work if it's a decentralized protocol. Okay. So it has to be a smart contract and it has to be you know, like fully executed by the user action. So we say, okay, I have this Bitcoin here. I want to wrap it. And then you do, you provide all the necessary data. Uh, so, you know, like there's like the part of the uh, other blockchain that has to function as well. It's like very interesting as how it would work. But as we know, you know, like IOG is creating, you know, like the uh, KVM, et cetera. Like there's some idea of the interoperability between protocols. Uh, and then basically it has to be uh, you know, like the centralized protocol. Like uh, we provide the code uh, that gives you the endpoint to perform this function. And then Hydrahead is most likely the uh, settlement layer where exactly like it's going to be the, the glue between the other blockchains and Cardano blockchain. Uh, and, you know, like, uh, but like, no, if there would be any custody required, then basically we're not doing that. We don't want to deal with a custody of the user funds. Uh, it's too risky and, you know, like that's not the idea of the centralization. Okay, so so this brings me to my question. I, I, yeah. Are you familiar with the concept of NipoPow or NipoPos? Oh, yeah. Uh, you mean, so do, do you, uh, et cetera. Yes. So do you think that the blockchains on the other end would have to implement this concept. And as far as I understand, these are small proofs that something exists in, in another protocol that you could pull from uh, another blockchain and then uh, allows you to lock, let's say, the Bitcoin in the Bitcoin blockchain and then create uh, the uh, equivalent amount of, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum on issue those tokens automatically. Um, it's kind of a cross-settlement thing going on um, in, 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 in Cardano. Does the bridges that you describe, uh, do they require the Im successful implementation of NipoPaws and NipoPaws? So, you know, like it's, I, ideally you would have that, right? Like that's the ideal outcome, but I can tell you right away, you know, like this is Tower of Bubble uh, and this is even going to be bigger Tower of Bubble. So, you know, like, uh, you know, like, by the way, shout out to all the Ergo, Eggheads, uh, you know, like uh, it's, it's amazing project. Uh, I'm a big fan. Um, so that's the ideal outcome. But if the ideal outcome doesn't come, right, and this is something that's valuable to integrate with, then you have to actually find a way to provide the next next option. And what is that? Uh, probably, you know, like uh, contracts on the other blockchain that let you lock the tokens. And it can only be unlocked when the proof from the other blockchain is created that verifies that, you know, like now those tokens can be unlocked. So that requires a settlement, uh, the, some sort of an intermediary step, yes. right? That will inject data into those contracts. And, and, and who will be providing that information? And uh, is that network of whatever, I, I, I'm thinking oracles, uh, trustworthy? That's a good question. So by the way, uh, we didn't think about it in enough detail, so I don't have answer for you. I can only tell you uh, what I was thinking in terms of the solution. So mm -hmm. basically, uh, you know, like like every blockchain has a different heartbeat. So for example, like Ethereum uh, creates a block every eight seconds, uh, Cardano um, uh, every second, 
uh, and so on. Uh, so you, and, and by the way, creating a blog is also not like finality. Yes. Uh, you may get the wrong information. So sometimes you want to wait a specific number of transactions. Uh, so, you, you know, like uh, you could create, you know, like a protocol that first requires you, for example, like to log in with your MetaMask and say, okay, okay, now I'm depositing those tokens uh, to be wrapped. They, they are wrapped on another blockchain and then you know, like you wait a specific number of uh, blocks. And then you, as you said, like this could be Oracle, but the problem for Oracles is uh, the delay, right? So uh, you, you get the information on the Cardano blockchain like uh, every second and you know, like it creates like this opportunity that you know, like probabilistically you can try to create the token on Cardano blockchain and to stake on that one. So there has to be like, for example, like some period of locking in which you cannot, uh, you know, like Aztec, it's, it can be written in contract, it's, it's nothing special. Uh, and, and this gives you like the uh, security, you know, like that you have enough time to, to verify the tokens are there. And then you know, like once you confirm them, basically you can create the tokens on the Cardano blockchain. Uh, oh, I see. I see what you mean. So you could do it as as somebody who is controlling a wallet, interacting with the smart contract. Is that right? Yes. You you would have to be owner of the contract, but you wouldn't be necessarily the owner of the funds. It's like literally a condition that has to be met for the funds to be unlocked. Uh, but you know, like uh, you, you you know, like uh, it's not deposited into like the protocol wallet. Like it's. It's in the contract. Okay, the cool. cool. Now, um, let's talk about synthetic instruments and why they exist and uh, mm -hmm. what kind of role do they play in the traditional finance and what are you trying to bring into the um, into the DeFi, into the Maladex? Um, by the way, I absolutely love your value proposition, which as a, as a traditional finance person who's gone into crypto, very much appreciates it. Um, so, so the, the whole concept about market efficiencies, right? You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 time and again, and, and it has to do something with the fact that uh, crypto is a nascent sort of um, sector um, that we don't have ability to have efficient pricing. And, and uh, my understanding is that synthetic, uh, you know, instruments and derivatives will make that possible. And one of the things that we have as, as uh, stake pool operators uh, is that, for instance, if, if I am um, legally liable for taxes, right, in the United States, 25% uh, or 30%, whatever, depending on a uh, person's jurisdiction, uh, you, you, you be, you be uh, uh, you know, you're creating uh, tax liabilities every time your pool receives, uh, you know, ADA. And sometimes you don't want to take that risk. And wouldn't that be great if I could sell my, uh, you know, uh, my ADA tokens into the future, into the, with the with the series Absolutely. of future contracts, uh, lock in that rate, and forget about it. Like twenty five percent of my you know basically tokens automatically gets you know uh, you know it's sold at a at a certain price, but you know I will deliver them throughout the year. Um, something like that would have definitely helped uh, stabilize the prices and make markets more efficient. Um, so. Without further, you know, getting too much into detail, but can can something like that exist on Maladex and uh, is synthetic options, if synthetic instruments and derivatives uh, going to help us? Uh, yes, by the way, I love the example you have given because, you know, like sometimes you have the tax obligation in the future. So you want to guarantee like you can, for example, like sell a specific price, but without actually selling. So you want to have the option to sell at that price. Um, so 
you could uh, basically uh, purchase a futures contract from somebody who has you know, like the belief actually it's better to sell the futures contract than you know like uh, than than to hold ADA, uh, and basically you get the option to buy this amount. Uh, sorry, to sell the this amount of ADA for this specifically agreed price. And you know, like uh, this, is what creates like the, uh, the continuity in the markets. So, for example, like it's very popular with shell finance. For example, like airlines would buy the futures for you know, like air fuel. fuel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, like think about that. It's not just limited to the tax obligation or the things you want to create. You know, like the guarantee for yourself to remove all the risks. Uh, but you know, like it also like when we as Cardano pull more external world onto the blockchain, uh, it creates the instrument for people basically to continue doing the same things that they are used to. So we could have hopefully in the future, uh, you know, like uh, airline buying uh, a fuel on the Cardano blockchain, like in the rest of the futures. Uh, how how great exactly. So uh, to, to your first question, what uh, synthetics are? Synthetics basically are instruments that mirror actual instrument. Yeah. It's not the actual instrument, it's, it's something that mirrors that. And uh, as we mentioned before, uh, you can create it via collateral uh, or you can provide it one-on-one -on -one with basically the things that provides the guarantee that you know, like it can be executed. So for example, somebody could provide that uh, uh, you know, like a USD that you want to sell your uh, Cardano for and could be locked into that future contract so the people cannot use it, but in a sense they get a nice, you know, like some percentage that the future contract is worth uh, either way. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, with synthetics, you basically can create an uh, instrument in a sense you want. So, for example, we could mirror I don't know, like Tesla is not a good example anymore, so maybe, uh, you know, like we could uh, Creating like games workshop stock uh, whenever they got one uh, on, on the blockchain. Basically, you know, like we can mirror the price via the records. Oracle provide the price. Hopefully, it's a hierarchy of records. And you know, like there are many great records coming. You know, like from Wolfram, from Ergo. I'm very excited about that. Um, and uh, you, you know, like that's what provides the information if the contract is properly collateralized. Uh, but also, then you have the synthetic other so that you can trade. Uh, not only that, you can now start doing different things. Maybe you can create like an inverse asset. So, you know, like when you buy actually gives you bet in the opposite direction uh, and uh, more complex stuff, you also can create uh, futures or options. And, you know, like uh, all of those have the specific risk models. So for the options, you have the like Scholes uh, formula. Yeah. And then basically you derive all, all, all the principles. By the way, uh, I have to say what I love about Black Scholes in Cardano. You have the interest rate built into the protocol, 5.5%. Uh, how, how great is that? Like it makes the computation not only easier for, for those options, like that's, uh, it's in a sense like you have the clock, internal clock in the financial system. So, you know, like uh, it's not like you have to bet what the, uh, the parameter is going to be next year or so on. Uh, it's literally predefined. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, like, I, I want to challenge you on that one because uh, you know, we can nerd out on this one. I love options. I love Black Shoals. Um, I've looked at it very, you know, as a part of the CFA Society and, and CFA charter mm -hmm. holder. I've studied that in, in depth. So here's here's the thing. Um, with I agree with you. You're gonna have a uh, a an interest, you know, uh, what we call risk-free interest, where in a system as as the emission rate, but the emission rate in Cardano 
isn't 5.5. It, it's, it's a decaying function. Uh, sure, you know that, right? But, but then again, you don't know the actual emission rate because the, um, the principle or the amount of uh, uh, ADA in the pot that is, huh? that is left it gets filled every time there is a unstaked amount of ADA. And there is, uh, I mean, back in, I don't know, two, three months, there was a lot of unstaked ADA. So there was this inflow of capital back to the pot uh, that would, would make that rate a little bit uncertain. But that being said, you could, you could, you could basically, um, uh, you could jot down the, the ceiling. Let's just put it that way. You can just say that if everything was staked, this would be the decay rate. And you could take that as a, uh, as a uh, you know, rate. And everything else is going to be that kind of gravy. Uh, you know. how, how are you going to implement that? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, it's, it's a great point. Uh, I'm glad that you brought in. Uh, yes, it's variable. But then you can also parameterize that the variability. So you have a good, you know, like uh, the uh, mass distribution, like you know where the percentage is going to be. Uh, and you can model around that. Like you can always, for example, like assume, you know, like a two sigma scenario or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you, the, you know, it's, it's a function of unstaked or not claimed stake or whatnot. I think we are standing at what? Was it 70, 71% staked at this point, right? Or something like, like that, that? Yes. right? I mean, it, it, this, this protocol basically encourages staking and makes it so easy that, you know, you have to be, uh, well, pardon my French, but complete idiot not to stake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes it's, absolutely. It's like uh, you know, free money, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so you could you could um, oh, a complete idiot or or regulated entity, uh, or you could be a complete <laughs> idiot to stake on Ethereum. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing. But anyway, um, in the interest of time, I wanted to go um, through the technicalities, right? So sure. so um, are you going to use uh, Haskell to develop this platform? Absolutely, as much as possible. Uh, okay. Even for, you know, like uh, the backend you want to use, yes, et cetera. So uh, I'm a big Haskell nerd and I want to use everywhere where possible. It's not possible everywhere, you know, like maybe like for the front end, you want to stick with TypeScript and React.js. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, you know, like Haskell is love. So why, why not to get some more love in your life? Right? Perfect. And uh, smart contracts will be on Plutus. Is that right? Obviously, yes. Okay, perfect. And, uh, you know, you talked about hedge fund uh, and uh, we can talk about that next time. I think it's, it's another fascinating topic that I would like to just go deep in. Um, next topic, if, if, if you're okay with, uh, you know, this part being over, I guess, the products and whatnot, I'm going like to talk... Yeah, go ahead. Can I just like I give a small snippet of the other thing that we'll be building in the future? Okay, go ahead. And by the way, if you would like to have me back uh, in, in the future, like with this more to talk about that project, I, I would absolutely love it. Yep. So uh, there, thank you. So uh, there is another idea that once basically the DEXs are built, not only ours, but you know, like uh, Liquid is building great stuff and Digo is building great stuff. I'm a big fan of uh, what MinSwap is doing, for instance. Uh, there's Ergodex, etc. You know, like there's going to be a need for uh, an intelligent, in quotes, uh, in investment vehicle. You can think of it like an yield aggregator, but we think of it more like as managing portfolio. And I think there is like a lot of unfortunate use of words because of that, because I think people uh, in you know like the centralized community don't like this word like hedge funds, etc. 
but basically that's what hedge fund does. Like they provide uh, the better return on your portfolio at hopefully the same level of risk. Like that's computed as the Sharpie ratio and then you have a better Sharpie ratio. Uh, so basically the name, you know, like uh, in decentralized world is basically, you know, like a yield aggregator in a sense, right? So uh, we have the project called Excogito, which basically means in Latin uh, to imagine to device uh, and you want to use uh, singularity net for some of this um, algorithms. And actually we have another proposal on Catalyst for one such uh, idea, which is an symbol of uh, top traders full of following top traders. Um, but basically that's, you know, like the next step after Maldex that we want to put more weight on. Okay, perfect. Now, um, Yarek, if I can uh, go ahead and talk to you about the security of DEXs, sure. rug pulls, and ways you could help our viewers to um, identify the, the obvious ones and maybe not so obvious ones from your vantage point, you know, since you've looked at this uh, from a technical point of view, is there anything that you would like to share with us about, uh, you know, these contracts? And right, the, the most famous one uh, gained traction on, on the Twitter is, is the one that uh, where, um, what's his name? Uh, this one of the billionaires basically got burned for, for 10 million. Um, oh, Mark Cuban with Titan. Yes, the Titan, right? So how did it take place? How, how do you make sure that, you know, you identify them uh, and what are the risks there, uh, even if the contract is solidly written? Uh, you know, you touched upon it earlier in our discussion, um, but like to know basically how to avoid rug pulls, how to minimize your risk, or how to just basically, you know, uh, vet the, 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 the viability of products that they they, they propose. Sometimes I think the developers develop these smart contracts uh, with, with good intentions in mind, uh, but the, the, the choice of pairs basically makes or breaks these uh, you know, instruments as, as you, you alluded to, uh, to earlier. And that shouldn't be construed as, as a uh, you know, malintent. But anyway, so can, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep, that's a great topic and actually very close to my heart. Uh, and by the way, I just want to first say like the three categories that basically in which you can raise you lose money. And the first one is actually, as you said, like sometimes it's not malintent. Uh, it's basically bad implementation either of code or bad implementation of the actual, you know, like formulation of, of the protocol. So actually that was the case in, in Titan. Uh, they had it bugged by USD and I think uh, that also called Iron. And it rise in price too much. So basically it was very beneficial to sell it. And when you were selling it in a sense that you were increasing, I think like the ratio of iron you were getting, which was like stable in price. So everybody rushed and sold very quick and they just crashed the price. So this is more like the protocol design error. It's called like quantitative mistake. The other one is the that obvious rug pull. You would have a project that goes and market a lot on social media. They bring a lot of ambassadors, the, you know, like uh, make public a lot of different partnerships. Uh, that's the typical path. It doesn't have, it, it's not like the textbook you should follow, uh, but that's usually how it goes. Uh, yeah. That you ask, like, are you building anything? Or don't ask us that question. We are too busy, etc. We don't want to talk to you. They only have the Telegram group on which they post. And then, you know, like, actually people are hype about the project and the risk is like, you say, oh, okay, this is suspicious, but I don't want to lose that. So you still, 
ape into that. Uh, and then they obviously pull the rug. Um, and the third one is actually the hardest to spot. Uh, and that's why I want to say that there's only one protection with rag pulls, which is to be uh, vigilant and, you know, like always do your research, uh, go on the forums, have very strong community that goes uh, around, talks about that, you know, like validates that. You don't have to be, you know, like uh, very aggressive. You, sometimes like it's a team that made a mistake, you can provide the feedback to them as well, but then community have to know as well that this stuff has to be fixed. Uh, but basically the gray area is when uh, something goes on for a long time. There are like some kind of red flags. You don't know what they mean. They actually seem to be building something. They're getting some recognized names, right? And it continues and continues. Uh, but then, and, and for example, like they promise something and there's like this uh, coffeezilla has a great YouTube videos about that. Uh, you know, like uh, the celebrities will get that, for example, like Ethereum Max, right? Uh, you know, like uh, Kardashians were promoting that. Uh, the what was the name of the boxer? Uh, the uh, anyway, like famous, yes, exactly. Yeah. The famous people were promoting it, and you say, oh no, obviously they cannot be promoting a scam, right? No, yes, they can, and sometimes they even will do it on purpose. Please don't sue me. Uh, uh, but basically, that's how it works. So uh, don't try take take a word of people, behind it. and that's actually why I say like the identity of the team shouldn't matter because at the end of the day, if it's something valuable, that's decentralized, the contract is on the blockchain, you should go and basically inspect it. And of course, nobody, like not everybody is able to do it, but there is enough people in the community who are able to do it and there should be, uh, like they should have a loudest voice in a sense, right? They should be like this Agora where you can say, hey, you promise maybe like some anti-well protection and it's supposed to be a whole day, but it's actually, I mean, that what does it mean, right? Do you and, know what I would like, though? Um, yeah. I'm sorry if I cut you, but... Um, oh, it's fine. It's I, I tend um, to look for long. You, you, you actually describe all these three different ways of doing it. And as you were talking, I, I, I thought it'd be great to actually have a guideline for everybody out there to, you know, check the boxes. Like, you know, is the team anonymous? I, actually, the, the anonymous team on my side is a big no. Because, you know, I'll tell you why, because um, it's a red flag as, you know, from the get-go, because, you know, you don't know the person, uh, they could do a lot of damage and you wouldn't know, uh, and not everybody checks the code, right? You, there's, there's this notion that, you know, open blockchain, everybody checks the code, but not everybody does that. And, and, and we know that with DAO hacks and all that taking place on Ethereum, you know, this, some of the code is even audited, right? Then, oh, then we should touch on that in a moment. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's not a good defense, but but if you show your pre, uh, uh, face, if you show your name, then you basically become uh, you know visible, and people know where you live, so to say, and and authorities will come and get you. You know, if if you do something bad, um, and then the, the the big question there is, you know, to basically prove that you actually had the malintent and there are ways of doing that. You know, if, if you siphon all the, all the money out and then you start basically splitting it in different chunks and then trying to push it on exchanges, that, that is a clear <laughs> indication that you had a rug pull and you actually wanted to scam people. But if the, 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 the smart contract breaks and you did not know it and you, know, you did everything in your power to make sure, they, make, make sure and minimize that, including writing it in Plutus, uh, then you know you're 
you have a, a plausible deniability there and you're building a product that will make you money uh, in, in ways that you didn't have to scam people out of their living. So, um, so there are ways of doing that. Anyway, this is the, 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 the thing. Yeah. I want to say one thing. Um, because the rug pull doesn't have to happen through the code. That, for example, can be pre-mined that the team promised not to sell and it's like dumping on everyone and saying, oh, no, it's going to go back up. It's like some, something else. Yeah, but that's that's a structural, uh, yes. you know, uh, structural thing that you can spot early on. Like, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, so I so think yeah, like you can say, hey, you know, what's uh, what's the distribution like? If the distribution says, or the token says, you know, oh, we're going to keep 95%. Of the, that's a well, big that's red flag. Well, that's obvious yes. Yeah, so um, you can, yeah. So those well, guidelines would be very useful to to actually develop so that we could, you know, at least get the, uh, you know, you know, make sure that all the projects that come online asking for catalyst funding, you know, go through those uh, and answer the questions uh, properly. Mm, I personally think you could do that, but not in a form of a questionnaire, but more actually in the form of questionnaire and in the form of an interview. Uh, what I would love to happen on Cardano is, uh, and by the way, you know, like uh, you and probably some uh, other influencers in the community already started doing that. Uh, but, you know, like to have like an equal voice platform, for example, like for all projects proposing on Catalyst. And, you know, like have the same format, you know, like maybe like five, 10 minutes and have like VC style interview. It's not like, you know, like we have kind of like very friendly conversations. sense. like if you would want, like you can go like other way. But like we, we have like conversation, like comfortable conversation. The idea is like jump, 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 you know, like, like in the boxing ring. Yeah. So, you know, like an elevator pitch, okay, you know, like why you didn't talk and why you need that, 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 like tough questions. Yeah. And if the team floats, okay, they probably are all right. You don't know, but now you are more sure, right? And then you can feel a form formation, maybe like, you know, like who's your team? Uh, did you IDO? Did you do that? You know, like, why are you getting your funds? Basically stuff that's important, like also from the investor side. Uh, it's also as important, like from the retail investors that, you know, like the uh, committee members are. And you know, like uh, there's actually the Dolph Mountain project that does it. I would love to have this kind of uh, Excel for Cardano. And I would also love, you know, like to have like this equal access interview where uh, every team has the same amount of time. Every team is squeezed hard. And if they come out of the boxing creek, you know, like alive, they probably are a good team. They have a good idea about what they're doing. Um, but I also wanted to add one thing about the uh, certification, like basically auditing the protocols. So like 100% uh, pools get two or three uh, certificates on, on their website. And basically the certifying companies aren't per se helping direct pools, like they're helping directly because they actually go and validate the protocol. They like they write all the problems that are in the code, etc. But the rack pool can, basically come from completely different direction, for example, like pre-mine. And this is not something that security companies say, oh, okay, you know, but but everything works, right? Or these things that we spotted are low risk, right? Uh, yeah. It's not like, you know, like uh, somebody can withdraw the funds without the, from the contract, but somebody already has, you know, like the token or anything. I, I think I think I think in this respect, uh, you know, people with experience in the financial sector doing due diligence could yes. could add enormous value because we, we can ask questions that are outside of the realm of technicalities where you know you could be perfect, right? As you said, but if if the guys have a ninety percent of pre mine, that's kind of like you know, 
exactly. <laughs> red mind right there. Oh, I mean, red flag right there. So anyway, Yarek, it was great having you on the show. I really appreciate your insight and uh, the, the, the knowledge that you um, shared with us today. It was quite beneficial, I'm sure, for the um, audience. Um, I would like to have you on again um, to discuss the hedge funds. I think this idea is very close to my heart. And when I was getting into crypto, I wanted to create something like that. Uh, you know, where you have a, you know, a hedge fund that, that, that manages a crypto portfolio automatically on a smart contract. And I think if, uh, if uh, when the, the Plutus comes to, 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 you know, comes to Cardano, I would like to pursue that idea one way or another. Uh, you know, basically be part of something that 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 revolutionary in that respect. And you know, if 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 uh, when we have uh, tokens like uh, you know tokenized version of our shares of Apple and 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 uh, and uh, you know Tesla and whatnot around the world, you could you could basically say that these these hedge funds could uh, revolutionize the whole entire financial e- ecosystem and and make it accessible for everybody in the world. But yes, thank you so much for coming on, on the show again. And, um, you know, if you have any last words uh, for the audience, this is the time. So I have two last words. So I really like one thing you said, which is make available for everyone. You know, like that's the biggest sorrow of the modern times because, you know, like you have this quantifying and then inflation, a lot of people aren't incentivized to save, but actually, you know, like savings builds much more stable and enjoyable life. So, you know, like if we can democratize access to these uh, financial investment instruments that are sound, audited, and actually work, uh, I, I think that would be absolutely amazing. So I'm really looking forward to the DeFi revolution that uh, Erdan is going to bring. And, you know, like uh, to you and the whole audience, I have uh, words, stay awesome. This marks the end of our episode today. If you like the type of content that we're putting together, please don't forget to subscribe, like, or comment. And when you do subscribe, don't forget to push that bell button so you get notified the next time we release an episode. And I promise you, as the time goes by, they will get quite interesting. We are entering an era in Cardano where we will see a more robust types of products and very interesting use cases for this project. I'm your host, Umed Saidov, and you've been watching and listening to Slot Leader. I'll see you next time. Thank you.